I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Well, greetings, dear listeners. Welcome to this special edition of Achtung Millwall. Um, sadly, I well, I say sadly, I, I couldn't make Wigan today, but thankfully for all you listeners out there and around the globe, we do have our northern correspondent with us tonight, John Shipman, who was at Wigan today. So welcome to the show, John. Evening, Nick. Evening, all. Um, Wigan won. Wigan Athletic won Millwall nil. Um, to call it a disappointment, which um, was the kind of repeat word that Gary Rowett used today, John, seems a bit of an understatement. A huge moment. I, I, I get a sense of a huge three points lost today. Yeah, you you get the impression they were there for the taking. They're down in the bottom three. Um, and, you know, despite them winning, it's not sour grapes. They didn't look a great side um, that we played today. Um, we just weren't at it. And we have games like this, particularly the games we're expected to win. We can't yeah. roll these teams over. And that's not to knock the side, because they've done, well, I was going to say incredibly well, they've done well to get mid-table. Um, we weren't expecting that a couple of months ago. Um, but we just seem to have this mental block when it comes to rolling these teams over that we perhaps should do. Um, yeah. And it's another case in point today. Weird. I mean, because it's the self-same team that went to Preston. We were, we were all raving about last week's performance at Preston. I know you were there. I watched it on Teddy last week. Couldn't see today's one, but um, that's the same team. And seven days is a long time in politics. Hell of a long time in Millwall life as well, because that's the, the, it sounds um, going by Twitter. And, and tell me if I'm misreading it. This was two very contrasting performances from last week to this week. Yeah, the energy just wasn't there. Um, everything about today felt very similar to that that Preston game. Um, the weather conditions very similar. It was a wet, windy day, but mm. you know. Much like the West Brom game a few weeks ago, um, that was another one in the middle of a storm and we didn't seem to adjust to it. Last week, we coped very well with this, the conditions and the situation. Um, today, we just weren't at it. And we have these games from time to time. But, you know, big players for us, just, it just wasn't coming off for them. It's no lack of effort. Um, Jed Wallace tried as hard as he always does, but them little flicks and them little nutmegs that he tries, they just didn't come off today. Um and we struggled, you know, when your, your talismanic players like that are, are off the pace, I think it sort of goes around the rest of the team. And uh, and that's what we saw today, a very lacklustre performance. Yeah, it was interesting. I was watching the uh, interview. I mean, obviously, Gary Rowett interviews very well, and I'm sure 
you and everyone listening to the show have seen the same interviews that he does post-match, and they're always very striking for their honesty and almost like it's a, uh, a, it's almost like listening to a very knowledgeable fan analysing the side. And one of the things that struck me after today's game is he was questioning the mentality of some of the players that they've almost almost feeling happy with mid-table. Um, and I'm wondering whether maybe some of them are, and I, I even questioning myself that I'm happy with mid-table as well because, like all Millwall fans, we we know that um, life in the lower leagues isn't so great. So, you know, it's it's a kind of a, an ambition question in a in a funny kind of way. I wonder whether some of the squad do lack that little bit of extra ambition or, or, or potentially quality to go that extra extra yard. You know, I think that's probably where the frustration comes from, isn't it? That um... As, as well as they've done to get themselves into this position, each time we're on the edge of, you know, pushing for playoffs, um, yeah. we we just don't seem to have the, the gumption or the, the wherewithal to make that final step. Um, not that we've got any sense of entitlement to be in that, that area, um, certainly wasn't expected at the start of the season. But at the same time, if you work yourself into a position where you're that close to achieving it, you it's annoying, disappointing, frustrating to, to fall short each time. Um, and it's it's put into stark focus because, this, you know, the teams above us, we've beaten most of the teams above us. It's not a it's not a great league in the sense that, you know, it's an exciting league. Lots of teams beat one another, but you put a decent run together, you can make it into the playoffs. And we, we always seem to come close and not quite make that, that final push. But that's why we are where we are. You know, a bit of investment over the summer and who knows, we could be... We could be looking at it in a different light next season. Yeah, I mean, the, the season's not yet lost. I mean, I'm just looking at the league table um, after today's loss. I mean, we've still got 12 games to play with. So, um, 49 points, 11, 11th position, uh, Preston 56. So, we're now um, what's that, seven points off the off the pace with only 12 games to go. So, And a lot of teams in front of us. I think that's probably going to do for us being realistic. Um that's not to say that there's there's no chance, John. I mean, I, I just think the the realism has got to come into the mill support a little bit that it's probably going to be slipping just slightly out of reach now um, after this this one today. Particularly if we'd have won today, it might have looked a bit different. Yeah, that, I think you're right. I think realistically, it's probably gone. But you know, we've got as you say, we've got a dozen games left, and there is still something to play for. And it's nice to not be where Cholton and, and the likes and Stoke are this season, because for all the world, it looked like that was where we're going to be a couple of months into the season. Um, it looked yeah. like another relegation battle right on schedule, you know, a couple of seasons up, a relegation battle. Um, back, yeah, back we go. That's changed. Um, so I've, I don't know, I've got quite an optimistic view about things at the minute. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to who we can retain in the summer. Um, obviously, we had a good season a couple of years ago, and then summer went well and suddenly we lost George Savile right at the end of the um, the window and never really recovered that season and there's a couple of sort of, I described them earlier as talismanic players in the squad that we can't afford to really lose in the window um, come the summer but if we could keep hold of them and, and add a few faces and a bit of depth to the squad um, I think Rao is building something interesting something exciting there um, today Precious little evidence of that, but you know there is there are chinks of light, and there's um there's a good feel about the club at the minute. I think so. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I mean today was the proverbial long trip northwards in in the pouring rain. I know we had it last week. We've had it again 
today up to up to Wigan. Um, it sounded like also there's a, a very early yellow card for Jed where he's some were saying online he's lucky not to get a red. Two minutes in, he's on a, on a yellow, which must have cramped his um, you know his play a little bit from there onwards. And a yellow for Marlon, I believe as well. Yeah, on Marlon got jump. one. I think I, I may be wrong. I, I tend to be on these things with me failing eyesight as a regular <laughs> man. Um, I think Murray Wallace got one as well. Um, and got, yeah, quite a see, few. Yeah. When you see a yellow card in the first half, it does curtail players a little bit. Not so much Jed because he's he's an attacking player. He's more likely to earn them. But I think it does affect the way Romeo and, and Wallace will will tend to defend. Murray Wallace will tend to defend because they we saw Romeo put in a fantastic last ditch tackle last week up at Preston where he sort of slides across the turf. That takes it out of his game if he's picked up that yellow already. So. There was a couple of them early on where I think Wigan were getting the benefit of all all the decisions, but not to say that you know a lousy ref, yes, but not a terrible ref, not a, not a biased ref. So we can't really hide behind that. Um, but yeah, we no. did pick up some early cards, which I think stifled us a little bit. It sounded like it was one-way traffic in the first half, going by the reports. Um, well, I think um, there was um, there was a penalty shout. Um, Ryan Woods went down. Um, I couldn't. I was behind the goal, so I couldn't tell from my position whether he was in or out of the area. Yeah. The replays I've seen on Twitter suggest he was in the area. It uh, looks so. If it goes for you, it changes the game, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, screenshots. There's also someone posted a, a video from a stream they must have got hold of. It does look like he's a step inside the penalty area rather than outside, as the referees called it. And as you say, rightly, these these are the calls that kind of um, go against you. I believe there's another one later on in the in the game where we uh, had a penalty shout and didn't didn't get as well. I, I did make a note of it, here, but um, that one was um, that one was right in front of us. Um, it was Mason Bennett who he came on um, full of running, full of pace, Nick. Um, yeah, something about him certainly. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but the last few weeks I've been wondering quite why we've picked him up. You seen? I, I was wondering why we picked him up. Yeah, injured, yeah, he's not be playing. Continually yeah. injured. Um, he's younger than I thought. I think he's in his early early twenties. Mm. Um, but yeah, lots of I don't know if how much of it's the quality of the Wigan defence, but he he was turning his man a number of occasions and a bit of pace about him. Found himself in a half decent position, or rather worked himself into a half decent position and. The ball kind of cannoned back off the defender's arm. Um, might have been a little bit harsh, but, you know. So he's, he's a bright spot. <clears throat> um, I mean, I've not seen him at all. I haven't seen pictures of him online, so nothing, nothing to base it on other than the reports. But it sounds like it was quite bright when he came into the game today. Yeah, I'm basing it on sort of a 15-minute run out here and the fact that he was quick. Obviously, you want a bit more. <laughs> we'll we'll settle for quick. Um, first impressions, and I think he did well when he when he come on. So um, hopefully, yeah. And you know, to be fair, around with there, he spotted something that he's missing from the various combinations of our, our front three, and there are various combinations available to us, but none of them really have pace. And Wallace has got a busy run about him, but I don't think he's particularly fast. Um, Mason Bennett looked to look to be fast. You know, he's, he's something that we're lacking. So. Again, another positive move, and, and we'll see what comes of it. But, um, yeah, that was certainly a bright spark. I mean, nothing. another thing that struck me today is that there's no luck whatsoever for the likes of Tom Bradshaw and I think Jed Wallace as well. Um, you know, they can't buy a goal between them at the moment, can they? So, you know, these, these, these phases don't go on forever, although it can seem endless when you're in the middle of it. I'm sure it does seem so to... 
both of those players. But I've been quite impressed with with Tom Bradshaw over the course of the season when he's played. But again, it wasn't his day to day by the sounds of things. No, I think um, I know people aren't necessarily Matt Smith's biggest fans. He divides opinion a little bit, shall we say? Yeah, he does. But yeah. I think both last week against Preston and, and today, um, not so much Preston. I'm not sure what time he got involved, but when he came on today with 15 minutes to go, he did change the game in the sense that he gave the wingers um, or the fullbacks overlapping. He gave them a target. Um, yeah, we went a little bit route one towards the end of the the game, but um, he did give a target, he did win headers, he did knock it down, and and sometimes you just wonder, with all this, this newfangled passing football that we're doing, um, sometimes we do need an outlet, whether that's a big man like him, or whether that's a bit of pace like um, Mason Bennett's got, um, it is an outlet, it gives the defenders something to aim at, and um, that's a bit of focus to the attack maybe. <coughs> Spoken like a good old school Millwall fan, John Shipman, I tell you that much. Get it up to Matt Smith. Get it long. <laughs> Get it down the middle. Big man, little man up front. <laughs> Get it in the mix. Get Don't it in the mix. But, you know, it's, it sounds like the conditions were harsh. I mean, maybe there was a, a, a case for that today. But I mean, the other thing that just struck me just to close out. Um, you know, it, Gary Rowett said the game meant an awful lot to Wigan. So he's, he's speaking to the BBC London after the game. The game meant an awful lot to Wigan because they're clearly still in the relegation mix, not quite so badly after today's result. Um, and we didn't, he felt that we didn't quite match their desperation to get a result. And I think that's coming back to that hunger, lack of ambition stuff, isn't it? The, um, the, the, the squad as a whole. I, I actually wondered, I put online earlier on, whether some of these players lack that hunger because I don't ever had any career expectation to be any higher than this. This may be the pinnacle of their career for some of them. So maybe they will lack a little bit of hunger compared with maybe where Gary Rowett thinks they should be or could be. Um, I don't know, really. It's, it's a funny one, that, because uh, you can have players at the very top of the championship who, who never achieve any more than that. It's, I always stand by the fact that if you're in the championship, you're one good season away from potentially being a Premier League footballer. Um and that's that's got to provide its own, you know, particularly if you're on the edge of the playoffs. Surely that provides its own incentive to. We saw you'd black you'd think. A decade ago. You, um, yeah, you'd think. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know what what players expect. Um, it, it's a tricky one. Never having reached the heights of professional football, Nick, and to, <laughs> your talents would show. Um, it's an hard one for me to judge, but I don't no. I don't think anyone. It wasn't a lazy performance today, Nick. It was just nothing quite went right for us. The zip wasn't there. You know, when a team's just, you know, that final ball's just behind the man or they just can't get it out from under their feet or there's a passing move which goes really well until eventually our fullback steps on the ball and that sort of thing. It wasn't a lack of effort. It was just, we just weren't at it. We just weren't at the races. Um, no. I, I mean, think, you know, Rowett knows far better than me. If he's seeing that sort of thing in the squad, then that's something he can address in the summer and get some players with with points to prove, which he has done with, with Woods coming in. Um, yeah, and, and Bennett, Bennett coming in. Yeah, yeah. points to prove. Um, I mean, we, keep, we keep saying a huge week in front of us, but this is a huge week in front of us. Birmingham on Wednesday night and then Bristol City at home next Saturday. I mean... This, this 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 league is so um, unpredictable that you know as far as, far as having this kind of semi-depressive settle for mid-table kind of conversation tonight, we could be in the midst of playoff talk again next week with two wins under our belt if we can pull it off. It it can change yeah. that quickly, can't it? Um, I come back to the fact that there's no one above us who's any good either, other than the, the <laughs> room, maybe. Um, 
That's all true. Of them are likely to, all of them are losing games where they shouldn't. Um, so, yeah, if you do pick up four, six points over a couple of games, I'm absolutely convinced all you need to be is within sort of six points in the last three games, and then it's, it's up for grabs. Um, because there is no consistent teams in and around those players. No. no, there's not. I mean, I watched Fulham Friday night and Brentford as the lunchtime kickoff today against Blackburn. Um, you know, they have their, all of these teams have their little moments and then they go and concede goals and they don't look in great shakes either. So, just like us. So, there's no reason why if we can string a couple of results together, two or three results, it's still game on. I just think we're starting to run out of time a little bit now because we are coming in towards the March and April period. And um, if we're going to do it, now is the time to, to start. Um, so, yeah, um, big week ahead of us. Really appreciate you joining the show tonight, John. Um, take time. It's Saturday night. Um, it's not a more exciting result to talk about, but um, we'll catch up soon, I hope, mate. Achtung, Mailball. So a big thank you to John Shipman for joining the show. I just wanted to run over a few of the tweets that followed today's um, sour performance. Uh, John himself tweeted, presumably on the way out of the ground today, that Real Millwall saw that result coming a mile off, which I think is is probably um, cynically cynically correct, John. So um, I'll make you right there. Um, Doug Hume on my WhatsApp group said that we, we got what we deserved today. That was a poor performance, said Doug. Um, it does, does sound like a poor show, I must say. Um, run Dave Run quotes to quote him. He says, it sums Mibble up. We beat an informed playoff contender team last week and then lose to a team near the relegation zone. It's never going to change, says Run Dave Run. Um, playoff chances, I've, this is one from, um, I've written the name down, so apologies to this poster. Um, playoff chances are fading like Yuri Skalak's career, says the unknown poster there. Thank you, unknown poster. Um, that certainly is fading fast. Um, Gary Rowett speaking to um, the press after the uh, the game today, as, as we mentioned in the conversation with John, says we outran Preston, we outran them last week. Today we were waiting for the game to come to us. And his question to the players is, are you happy with mid-table? Well, um, there it is. We've, we've had that conversation already. I think some probably are, dear listeners. Um, Mill halfway line says that was a very poor performance. A weak Wigan team bereft of confidence were there for the taking, similar to what John's just said. Stu Mill says, well, that was disappointing. I don't imagine we have millions of pounds to play with, but priority has to be improving our forward options. Sometimes we look about as threatening as a care bear. Um, Matt Webber, reasons to be cheerful. This is to cheer us up. Uh, disappointing for Millwall, but we will be a championship side next season. We have a positive and progressive manager who's made many good signings. On the whole, we now play better football and our players care and we have a hardcore group of loyal fans. Uh, just one other thing which I um, missed with the conversation with John was there's a bit of a debate online about Murray Wallace. Uh, Ryan Loftus from our, sh- our fan show has um, uh, criticised him, I suppose, Murray Wallace, um, being turned and found out for pace today. A bit of a debate as to whether that's fair or unfair online. Um, as listeners to my show, or this show, it sounds a bit egotistical, my show, doesn't it? This show. Um, no, I'm a big bit of a fan of Murray Wallace, but um, I keep jokingly saying he is a functional, uh, he's a converted central uh, defender and a, and a limited one, a, a League One 
central defender, let's be quite honest, who's played out of his skin. Sounds like he's got a little bit turned today, found out, shall we say. And there's a bit of a debate on the, the, the rights and wrongs of Murray. So much to play for in the week. Um, a win against Birmingham might enliven the season again. You never know what's around the corner in the championship. Um, Birmingham City on Wednesday night and then Bristol City next Saturday. Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com or one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232 that's 0208 144 0232. Leave us a voicemail. No human will be involved in the receipt of your message. So give us a shout. Tell us what you think about all things Millwall. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And the best messages will be read out on air. Well, a big thank you to John Shipman for joining the show on his Saturday night. Um, now, this is a slightly truncated edition, dear listeners. As you can appreciate, I didn't make it up to... Wigan today, but I thought, what else could I do for you? Because um, on this show, we like to give you something. So um, my mind was turned the other day on Twitter, of all places, onto um, my first full season as a Millwall fan. Um, two two things arose. One was somebody posted a clip of a great win for the Lions in 1972. So we're going back, what is that, 47 years, is it? Um, 48 years? Um, a Millwall 3 Brighton nil win, which I was at, and yet I had forgotten because I was only 11 years old at the time, and time uh, takes its toll on the memory, as you'll all find out, no matter what your age. Um, my first game, the reason it occurred to me was that somebody asked me what was my first game and what first impressions of the den. Uh, honey, if you're listening out there, it's, it's that conversation. Um, 
so yeah, first game for me uh, came at the very end of what was, in retrospect, quite a traumatic season. 1971-72 is a season that sits in Mill history as the year that we nearly got promoted but had it snatched away from us, I suppose, at the death of the season by Birmingham City, who had been our rivals for promotion all, all season. Um, I actually started going to Millwall in the very end of March of that season. Some mates at school said, why don't you come to Millwall? I didn't know what Millwall was or, or where it was or anything about it. So I went and the first game that I saw was um, Mill beating Portsmouth 1-0, the very end of March 1972. And then the traumatic events of... The last game of the season where we beat Preston at home, which again I was at, 2-0 win in front of the big match cameras um, in, a, in a kind of a scaffold arrangement on the on the halfway line. And I can remember still the pitch invasion, um, the chairing, I remember Harry Cripps seeing Harry Cripps chaired off the pitch because everyone had thought that Millwall had been promoted to the first division. And as we've said a few times on these shows, at that time, the Lions were the only team, London team, never to have played in the top flight. And it was a bit of a weight on everyone's shoulders. Um, as it was, that win 2-0 over Preston was all for nothing because Birmingham didn't lose that day. The, the, a rumour swept the den in those far-off days of transistor radios. But Birmingham got beaten, and in fact they'd won, I think it was at Sheffield Wednesday. And they had one game in hand over Millwall, and they closed out the season with a win at Orient on the following Tuesday night, and that meant that the Lions were not promoted. Um, at the time, I mean, I would have been 11, um, yeah, same year actually, if you just a few months before the season that I'm going to describe for you. Um, I couldn't really appreciate just how much it all meant. Um, I suppose with adulthood, you, you can look back and you do remember, you know, the emotion of the moment. At the time, it didn't quite absorb for me. I was too young, in all honesty. But um, something must have hooked inside me because although I probably didn't call myself a Millwall fan at that particular moment, I did come back for the season that um, arose in my mind on Twitter the other day, which was the 1972-73 season, which was um, maybe an odd one to pick out, but there we are. That was the first season where I attended regularly at the Den and really from August on. In fact, I turned up in August, I suppose, with mates meant that at that point I was calling myself a Millwall supporter. So this, for me, um, has a certain resonance because although it's a long, long time ago now, it, it was the first season where I started going, <laughs> and little did I know it, um, a lifetime later, I'm still going. Um, so first things first, the 72-73 season was very much like the phrase has it after the Lord Mayor's show, after the... Um, triumph and disaster of, of um, uh, the end of April and then at very early May. The season began in the August, um, still under the management of, of Benny Fenton. Um, and another thing struck me when I was doing some notes for this is no one really talks about Benny Fenton. Not often. I don't, maybe, you know, maybe I've missed it if they have, but not enough Millwall fans know the name Benny Fenton because he was the manager um, when I started going, as I say, he was a an ex Millwall player briefly, although most of his career was spent at Charlton. Um, but he was a, a manager as a manager. He came to us in the mid sixties to replace Billy Gray. I think he managed some of the games in the world record at the time, unbeaten run, unbeaten home run, 
59 games. I think he caught probably the end part of that. Um, but he was a manager that turned us into a very solid, established Division 2 side with ideas that we were good enough to press upwards. The culmination really being 71-72 when, by a whisker, we failed. And largely speaking, 72-73 season that um, is the subject of this, this little piece that I'm doing was probably the beginning of the end for Benny Fenton. He would be gone uh, as, as manager by 1974. And just looking at um, his Wikipedia um, piece, he never actually f- uh, fully managed again after leaving the den. Um, he was manager from 1966 to 74, so eight years in charge at Millwall. Um, he did make a comeback as Charlton's um, club secretary. And apparently, was a, I don't remember this, it was assistant manager for... Um, the Addicts, as they call them. I hate that nickname. The Addicts. The Valiants, I know them as. Um, and he was general manager at the, at the Valley um, until he retired in, in 1982. Um, a fine manager. Some would call him now probably defensive-minded, but I think that was probably in keeping with the um, you know the style of football of the time and certainly the Lions team, the classic team that he assembled. Um, which started the season, largely speaking, 72-73, intact, was his creation. So I just want to run through some of the names that began the season. It's pretty much um, the the team that finished 71-72, that came so close, blah, 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 was pretty much the, 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 the basis of the side that started in 1972, started all over again. August. I'm just looking at the first game of the season, which I can vaguely remember going to Hull. I think I remember the um, the amber shirts of Hull City, which was a, um, a 2-0 home win, August the 12th, 1972. Far, far off in time. But there's the team. Brian King, uh, Brian Brown, Dennis Burnett, Alan Dorney, Barry Kitchener, Gordon Bolland, Steve Brown, Derek Smethurst. Alf Wood was a new signing over the summertime. Um, a player who struggled at first, and we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, he was at number nine. Uh, Derek Posse, a talisman striker. One of the, I think he was the highest scoring um, uh, striker for the Lions until obviously overtaken by um, Neil Harrison and, and uh, Teddy Sheringham later in the career. But Derek Posse, a goal machine for us, and then Doug Alder at number 11. So that was pretty much the basis of the team that had done so well just a few months before and we began lulled into a false sense of optimism at the start of 72-73 with a home win against Hull um, little did we know that in, in, there was an impending uh, depression I suppose you, you know, put the language of psychology into this um, we didn't win again in the league from opening day on August the 12th until um, where is it? It's it's the it was the the YouTube clip that reminded me of this season. We didn't win again from August until um, the eleventh of November, which was another big match um, show, a game which I can vaguely remember. I remember I remember seeing Alf Wood's goal fly into net in this three 0 win over Brighton in front of ten thousand. But the in between was just a series of losses. Um, we were we'd gone from being a promotion challenging team with a team that should be at the other end of the table to being um, rock bottom going into that Brighton game. It's on YouTube. 
if you ever want to check it out, um, type in Mill versus Brighton 1972. Um, it's the, the footage is a little bit juddery because it's well 48 years old. You'll hear the familiar voice of Brian Moore again, sat in the gantry on the on the halfway line. I think that day I had paid an extra 10p or something and got in the what I called the four court seats, which was on the the um the, in the, the seating stand, the rest of the ground was uh, terracing at, at Colblow Lane, and I think that day for some reason I was a bit fascinated by what it's like to go in the seats, and I, I must have had that extra tenpence of my mum, and I'd sat down. I remember seeing um, Alf Wood's goal, which is one thing that vaguely sticks in my mind from that that goal. I can't remember much else of the match, if I'm going to be honest, um, which is the beauty of YouTube because it it brings back these these games and these moments. Um, but he's got a blinder, a uh, second goal. And I was just looking at a newspaper report of the time because clearly the fact that we'd gone almost three months without a win implied there must have been squad problems, fractiousness within the team. And I'm just um, dug out from the website I've got here. Um, it's an old uh, Coventry newspaper, Coventry Evening Telegraph sports paper, I suppose. Um, a report here that Alf Wood... Um, the striker. This is this is dated. Um, this is dated September the the twenty twenty fifth. I think it is. Bear with me. September the thirtieth. Coventry Evening Telegraph um, reported that Alf Woods, a striker signed by Mill from Shrewsbury Town at the start of the season during the summertime. Um, has not escaped criticism from the crowd. So just like now, younger listeners, the then crowd back then was as unforgiving um, for for anyone, really. It didn't perform in, in, in the way that uh, they felt they should be. The report goes on, it's unfortunate for Wood. At one time, a Manchester City player, um, that he should have joined the London club just after their failure to win promotion. If, this is the biggest if in the world, Coventry Evening Telegraph, 1972 edition, if the team had swept into its stride from the beginning of this season, it is probable that Wood would now be rated a success. Instead, Mill have been struggling and Wood's chances to shine have been limited. Um, now, one other thing I do remember vaguely, and I think it's confirmed when you listen to Brian Moore's commentary in this 3-0 win over Brighton in November, was this kind of gaping sea of, of, of losses and, and, and failure from um, the start of the season pretty much until until November. Probably included players like Derek Posse, who was um, um, agitating to get on the transfer list, agitating to move, and would eventually move in the January of 1973 for a club record fee at that point, £118,000. That's, that's the figures of the time. And he joined Crystal Palace, um, our bitter local rivals, of course. At that time, a first division side. Um, so Posse was clearly unhappy. Barry Bridges actually started that game that I've described in the November. He'd left the club, another goal scoring forward over the summertime. He was playing for Brighton. So we'd lost um, Bridges and Posse was clearly unsettled and unhappy, whatever way around you want to call it, and would go in January 73. And things looked pretty... Depressing because, as I say, we were rock bottom of Division Two, just six months on from feeling that we should have been promoted to the top flight. So clearly, there was a lot of um, agitation around it. Then you can you can get the picture what that would have been like. It's it's the same place, younger listeners. It's the, whatever you see now went on then as well. Um, 
Also, another factor which I was just looking at the team. I mean, these these are classic names. Harry Cripps had been at the club by 1972. He'd been there for 11 years. Um, Brian King, iconic goalkeeper, and made some fantastic saves in the Brighton game. Um, he'd been at the club for six years. Brian Brown, um, an okay defender from from memory, been there four years. Dennis Burnett, uh, I always remember being an elegant defender. Been there five years, and Kitch, who would go on to stay at the club, all the others would would go. Um, had been there for six years. Um, the season was blighted by this disastrous three month period. In all honesty, and I can only think that speculation now that the club must have accepted Derek Poss's desire to leave. Possibly that was that was um, poisoning the squad, for the use of modern modern kind of phrase. And um, they must have agreed to let him go. And, and so he did go just a few months later, two months later in, in the January. Um, clearly, there was a change in fortune, thankfully at the time, because we were looking at relegation. I had not long started secondary school. And I went to uh, Cooper School in Chislehurst, which was Crystal Palace country. They were still a first division side. And Palace fans ruled the roost there. Um as a Millwall fan, I decided I quite liked being a Millwall fan. I think I quite liked the um, individuality that it conferred on me. Um, but it was quite hard, obviously, to be <laughs> bottom of the second division. Um, and whilst they were still, um, I think they were fighting relegation from the, from the top flight at the time. Um, little did I know that this was going to be a lifetime of dealing with these, these kinds of um, issues for me. But there we are. So the Brighton game, which is on YouTube, check it out. Uh, 1972, Mill Free, Brighton nil, um, sparked a bit of a, a change in fortune, and I can only imagine that um, the releasing of Derek Posse, so to speak, turned things around for the Lions because we had three wins in succession during November. Uh, a couple of draws. We didn't lose again until um, Fulham away in, in in Christmas there, 26th of December, a one nil loss at Craven Cottage. And an interesting fact is that in the opening three months period, we lost 10 times, um, which would put us on the bottom of the table. In the remainder of the season, from November through to the um, end of April, the season back then ended at the very end of April, we only lost six games. So a complete turnaround in form. Um, we climbed the table gradually. The, the, the Brighton win started the, the move off the bottom, moved up to 19th, and gradually win by win, draw by draw, um, just the odd losses here and there, a loss at Fulham, Sunderland Wolves, Leighton Orient, we got beat at. But we climbed up the table and eventually, eventually we'd reach mid-table um, respectability, which is a position we probably wouldn't have thought of rock bottom in November. So clearly the team that got so close in April um, still had it. It still had something about it. It must have had some... Spine, Alf Woods found form, scored twice against Brighton and went on to become one of the iconic strikers. Anyone that saw him as a as a as a teenager in the um in the seventies, myself for example, remembers Alf Woods being this rugged, mustachioed um striker that, that put his head in where it hurts. Um I understand that he's not well these days. Um I don't know if he's I believe he's still still with us. But from what I remember reading somewhere, he's, he's in a, a care home now, suffering with, with um, you know, old age issues. Let's, let's just say that. 
I just want to say that Alf Woods was a brave, brave man, a brave striker. Score of a fantastic goal in the in the footage. Um, if you can get anything, if you can see any of it on YouTube, do so. He was he was a great striker and a, a fine servant for Millwall in a couple of years that he was with us. He was a Northern boy. Um, and he went back up to uh, I think it was Middlesbrough when he left uh, left us in uh, I think the end of seventy three seventy four. But um, 72-73 was a strange split season of initial failure and then a turnaround in form that had we have maintained it over the whole season, possibly could have got us close to the uh, by now improved top three positions um, for promotion. But anyway, that's, that's by the by. The Lions finished the season in 11th spot in Division 2. Um, so mid-table, as we say... Um, a, a home record in the end, 12 wins, 5 draws, just 4 losses at home, all, all built up in the early part of the season. Um, away from home, not so good, 4 wins, 5 draws, 12 losses. Since when did Millwall um, ever match their away record with their home record? Um, I think it was the perfect season, wasn't it? It was, it was um, 1-16, drawn 10, lost 16, 55, scored um, 47 conceded 42 points because two points for a win and we finished 11th right bang slap middle of the table that was my first season as i've said the names are iconic for me to this day alf woods would finish the season um as i've said already on i you know one of my favorite strikers ever as top scorer 48 appearances that season for alf woods 19 goals in all competitions um Gordon Bolland was was uh, second striker, second best striker, forty seven games, uh, nineteen goals. Great striker, Gordon Bolland again. Um, I suppose, like any footballer, you only live in the moment of the of the fans that follow you at the time. When you're gone, you know your your, your glory fades very quickly. Uh, Gordon Bolland was a great striker for Millwall, and nineteen goals in a in a, a failing season overall it was a, a fantastic return. And just one more. Um, Harry Cripps got eight goals from forty-four appearances. He was a, he was a character. Um, he would leave the club the season after, seventy-three, seventy-four, um, and I remember when they when they it was dropped in favour of a two new young fullbacks, um, Eddie Jones and Dave Donaldson came in to replace Brian Brown and Harry Cripps. And Harry, I think, moved on to Charlton, where he had one last hurrah of a season in their promotion mid seventies promotion from the third division. So there we are. Um, I picked out this season because it meant something to me. Um, it may not mean as much to you, dear listener, but I hope that you do take the time just to have a quick look on um, on on the YouTube at the footage. It's it's another time, another place, and I remember reading a, a quote by George Orwell: "How things can change." He's talking about England as a country. How things can change totally um, out you know completely from from the past and yet somehow remain the same and if you look at the, some of this footage of the 1970s it looks to very very different it feels very different when you watch it on screen and yet somehow it remains the same um 1972-73 my first full season as a Millwall fan um I can remember flashes here and there the, the season will be enlivened in the FA Cup by a fantastic win at Everton, 2-0 at Goodison Park. Those that um, were old enough to travel up there, I wasn't. I was only, well, wasn't even 12 years old. Maybe I was 12. I'd have been 12, so no way I was going to travel to Liverpool for that one. 
and a loss in the League Cup at Spurs in November 2-0 at White Hart Lane. Those were the only enlivening points of that season. But nevertheless, it was my first full season as a Millwall fan. And for that reason, although there's much that I can't remember now, all those years later, it remains close to my heart. So a big thank you to YouTube. Thank you to Twitter. Thank you for Honey for reminding me of that season. And I hope you enjoyed this little reminiscence of the 72-73 season. Arriva Dirty Millwall. We'll be back in the week for the Millwall Fans Show uh, with Harry and, and Aaron Paul. And Achtung Millwall will be back next week after the um, the Bristol City game. So, Arriva Dirty Millwall, as we said. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.